0: Connor Oberst's success comes in a lot of different ways. At 13 years old, he began recording music in his Nebraska home. Those home recordings laid the groundwork for Oberst and friends to form Commander Venus, and after the release of the band's 1997 album The Uneventful Vacation, Oberst began a slew of bands, side projects, and artistic endeavors that have kept him occupied for over two decades. Whether it be with Better Oblivion Community Center, the Mystic Valley Band, or Bright Eyes, Oberst has been able to dig out a niche in his loyal fanbase's hearts as well as music journalist's album of the year list. Oberst operates on rare ground, he's been able to maintain a certain ethos and credibility to his work while also achieving commercial success. Look no further than 2005's I'm Wide Awake It's Morning, the 6th album in the Bright Eyes catalog. I'm Wide Awake It's Morning is an album that balances moments of peaceful bliss with unchecked aggression. It's an album that tackles large-scale issues on a personal level. I'm Wide Awake It's Morning is an album that calls for change, for reflection, and for peace. And above all, I'm Wide Awake It's Morning is an art school album.
1: Well, I'm changing all my strings. I'm gonna write another traveling song. About all the billion highways and the cities at the break of dawn.
0: My guest today looks the way Bright Eyes sounds beautiful, intriguing, and undoubtedly liberal. My guest today is Sierra Cruz. Sierra, how are you? I'm so
2: happy with that introduction. I
0: I felt like it really did you justice. I think. You, everybody knows everything they need to know about Sierra now, because I just said that.
2: I want that on the back of a t-shirt, so that when I turn around, people know what they're getting. We're
0: going to do t-shirts, bumper stickers, keychains. <laughs> we're actually rolling out an entire merchandise line for this episode, Incredible. because we're talking bright eyes today. We're talking I'm Wide Awake It's Morning, the 2005 release. The good one. The good one. When I had the idea for this podcast, I kind of made a list of albums that I knew at some point I wanted to talk about. And, you know, I had Weezer's Pinkerton on there, I had some Smith stuff on there, some replacement Morrissey. stuff. <laughs> Morrissey is a person. Yes. And Bright Eyes, I'm Wide Awake, It's Morning was one of those albums that I kind of knew from the start. This would be a lottery pick if we were in the NBA draft. It was it's an elite album that needs to be discussed. So I wanna know from you when was the first time you heard Bright Eyes?
2: First time I heard Bright Eyes, I was 14. Oh, I definitely... The first song I definitely heard was This is the First Day of My Life. Yeah, same page there. Yeah, and I heard it on Pandora. Do you remember when Pandora existed? I do.
0: Um, We had different Pandora playlists because I remember I discovered the Misfits through Pandora and then was into a lot of like bad 80s punk for a while simply through Pandora more than anything else.
2: I didn't realize that I like I'm just remembering that now that I was I was listening to them on Pandora and I was like this is good shit and then I was doing a play at the time I was doing Hairspray okay and there was this boy that I really wanted to impress um and I said something about Bright Eyes and he was like oh my god you know who Bright Eyes are and I was like yeah, I do knowing only it's wide like this morning. And I was like, yeah, I'm such a Bright Eyes fan. And then I actually turned into like a really beautiful friendship that he lives in Chicago now and we're like very good friends. Good. And we've been listening to Bright Eyes our whole life.
0: So you connect up Bright Eyes at 14 and normally this question would get me in trouble, but I feel like it's apt to ask at this point in the conversation. Mm-hmm. What was 14-year-old Sierra like? What was 14 14- I mean, I feel like
2: 14-year-old Sierra was like me but me now all of my introduction but angrier (laughs) a lot
0: angrier yeah
2: I I think I wasn't necessarily angry but I was so I was so certain that people were trying to condescend to me like at all times and so I had like a lot of guards up because I was like don't think I'm stupid like I, I like I just didn't want anyone to think that I was silly and I think that's like the first assumption with teenage girls
0: Okay, so that's where that comes from is a fear of you're an educated teenage girl and you feel like the world kind of underestimates you.
2: Yeah, I felt like there was like such an assumption when I walked into rooms and so it was so much easier to be like edgy and like just um like take myself a part of that like from away from that world than to be like, "Oh yeah, I'm just here and I'm just a teenage girl and exactly what you expect."
0: Do you think liking bright eyes Uh, helped or hurt your relationship with that? Because a 14, 15-year-old girl that likes bright eyes, my assumption is, well, they think they're deeper than they actually are.
2: I So I don't think I was aware of the connotation at the time. (laughs) And now I'm overly aware of it. But at the time... All of my friends, like, I I developed, like, a friendship with a group of theater people around this play, like, when I was first starting to like them, and that was one of our big connections, was that we all loved Bright Eyes, and we'd all listen to it together, and we would, oh, so, oh, God, it's so bad. We, because now I look back, and I'm like, oh, we were those kids. We would play Bright Eyes on the acoustic guitar outside of a Starbucks.
0: In Portland. In Portland, Oregon. And your theater kids. And we're
2: theater kids. Everyone's wearing a flannel. Yeah.
0: This so, is like a John Green movie that, like, never gets made. It was... Mm-hmm. The studio was like, this is too on the nose even for us. Yeah,
2: exactly. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I like, I feel... I feel exactly that way about it. Like, looking back, that was ridiculous. That we were much. doing that. <laughs> it was ridiculous that we were doing that and we were all... We all thought we were so cool. Because then we would go to concerts, too. We would go to, like, Connor Oberst concerts. Because at that, that point, they weren't all touring together. Yeah. And it would be like, like I'd be like, oh, this is the most romantic my life has ever been in like a poetic sense.
0: Absolutely. So a few things to unpack from that. First of all, as you've gone older, well, let's go here first. Give me some of the bands you like because you like Brian Eyes, but what else are you listening to now? What other bands have you had phases where those are kind of your guys for a little bit?
2: Yeah. So I feel like I never really developed a music taste i just like what i hear and i like i uh, but i really like i feel very knowledgeable what about I, about what i actually do like so i went through a really big front bottoms phase yes. after, obviously after i um liked bright eyes and then now i listen to a lot more folk and one of my mainstays is like peter paul and mary and then like the mountain goats like a little bit more like punk folk leaning into folk
0: absolutely so yeah. You mentioned The Front Bottoms which I think is another great band when I when we're in this universe of perhaps overly emotional men <laughs> um there is whether it's justified or not there is a stigma to these bands and I wonder as a as a female do you sometimes worry about maybe the stigma of liking some of these bands or is it something you're just not aware of
2: I mean I feel like me liking these bands means that i'm a 14 year old girl (laughs) but the thing is like i i personally feel like everyone is only like everyone only consists of what they liked when they were 14. absolutely like that is exactly who everyone is it's just what they liked when they were 14 and so i'm like okay if i if i picked those
0: that's not that bad. no that's not that bad like i didn't
2: like i i don't know i don't want to judge anyone for what they liked but if like that was what i i liked when i was 14 i feel like that is very informative of who i am now and I don't dislike myself enough to be like, ah, oh, I wish I wasn't that, because I, I do still like it. But
0: but throw some shade, what are you glad that you're not? Because what, what are, am I glad, yeah. I'm glad I'm
2: not, like, like a really heavy metal, like EDM. Yeah, did be, you like,
0: escape the EDM phase?
2: I did, and it was around that time, I think I was 15, and I was dating this boy that told me that I looked like someone that liked EDM. I don't see that. And it was the worst <laughs> thing anyone's ever told me, honestly. Like, like, it was such a passing comment. I'm sure if I asked this boy about it, he'd be like, what the fuck? Like, why do you remember that? But it stuck with me, and I will never look like someone that likes CDM.
0: <laughs> yeah, I had a girl told me once when I was 15 that I reminded her of um, her dad.
2: Oh, yeah, that's bad. Which
0: is just tough on a number of levels when you're I feel like 15. I've said that
2: before I'm I'm just really sorry I don't know if I've said that to you but no but you
0: thought it at least <laughs> yeah
2: but like for me that's a really high compliment like I love my dad I think my dad's the best I don't
0: look at it as a total insult now but mm-hmm. at 15 that's oh, but tough 15, yeah 15 that's tough
2: I would be so mad yeah and I feel like I don't know for me I feel like if someone was like you remind me of my dad I'd be like that's awesome and then if someone was like you remind me of my mom I'd be like that's awful. Oh. And I feel like that's just internalized misogyny, so I don't know, but that's my personal feelings on that.
0: Sarah, you know, we only we only have so much time. I don't know if I can unpack your relationship with your mother tonight. <laughs> oh
2: my God, that's good. That's what therapy is for.
0: <laughs> and it's good that you're going. <laughs> so one could argue that listening to Brian Eyes is a form of therapy, and there is nothing more therapeutic than I'm Wide Awake It's Morning, which came out on January 25th, 2005, and it came out the same day as another Bright Eyes album. They kind of did a Use Your Illusion 1, Use Your Illusion 2 Guns N' Roses deal, which weirdly, not the only time Guns N' Roses is going to come up in this podcast, I'll explain later, but they released an album called Digital Ash in a Digital Urn on the same day, which was much more electronic. Uh, a much more experimental album. Actually, Rob Sheffield of Rolling Stone writes in his review of the two albums, he says, and I quote, uh, when referring to Conor Oberst, his two new albums are completely different animals. I'm Wide Awake It's Morning is a masterpiece of country-flavored heartland angst, plowing the musical ground between the freewheel and Bob Dylan and the cure's 17 seconds. Digital Ash and a Digital Urn is a much more self-conscious studio experiment with Kid A-inspired synth diddles. Any mortal songwriter would get slaughtered attempting the emotional excesses of these tunes, Sometimes it takes four or five minutes to tell whether it's a good one or not, but Oberst is brilliant at going too far, riding the subways of grievous angels and lost souls even more screwed up than he is. He really puts up uh, on, he really puts on the chill in Wide Awake's Lua, an acoustic ballad about doing drugs Lua. all night.
2: <laughs> That's the song that we would play outside of Starbucks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's an acoustic ballad about doing drugs all night with a desperate lover with a heavy heart. By morning, they can't even recognize each other. You'd have to go back to Guns and Roses Night Train for a more harrowing chemical romance.
2: My Chemical Romance, My someone chemical romance. might say. My take on... <laughs> it, is it Digital Ashes? Because I owned it on vinyl for yes. a while. My take on that is that once you start liking Bright Eyes and you like White Awake This Morning, like there's a couple of albums that you go through and then eventually you end up at Digital Ashes and then you're a real fan because then you're like, oh, wow, I just really understand Connor.
0: That's Okay, that's very interesting because Digital Ashes is not something... That in my my limited listening to it, I was not into it. But it also in that review, it was compared to Kid A, which is not good for me.
2: I didn't really like it that much, but mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, I get this," because I had gone through all the other stuff. And I feel like, especially like as Conor did his so started doing his solo stuff, like his most recent solo album, the one before um, Better Oblivion Community, was very like Bob y and it had a lot of the digital ashes.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, so this album comes out January 25th, 2005. Brian and I spent most of 2004 touring with Bruce Springsteen and REM. Now, what do you know about REM?
2: I know very little about R.E.M. A lot about Bruce Springsteen, okay. and I feel like that makes a lot of sense that they toured with Bruce
0: Springsteen. Yes, it makes a lot of sense that they toured with R.E.M. As a huge R.E.M. fan, that was as soon as I heard that I was like, eh, that Wh- tracks. Who's R.E.M.? R.E.M. is a four-piece band from Athens, Georgia. Losing My Religion would be the song that you know. Either oh. that, Everybody Hurts, Night Swimming.
2: Yeah. Okay, I do know those. Yeah. yeah
0: I'll make you a playlist. That I love sense. R.E.M. Oh,
2: thank you. Yeah. Well, I love Bruce Springsteen. I feel like all of those, all of those musicians are songs that you listen to when you're 14
0: are you a a nebraska fan when it comes to springsteen that's the album that people uh, at least in our world I think pimp the most but it's okay if you're not I
2: listen I think the one that I listened to the most when I was younger I'm so bad at album names is the one it's like on my own or something okay, yeah yeah that one I can only my, handle that was the one my dad was like yeah gotcha. you should listen to that
0: I can only handle so much Springsteen I have no issue with what he does but I can only handle so much of it I think um, that's
2: fair I think it was it was written for your parents <laughs> And that's the thing is when you listen to it you're like oh this is what it was like to be 14 in like the late 70s. You're like oh okay.
0: Interesting. This is what I
2: like that's I,
0: no, that's, I what, like that's what today. it is like yeah. I, I was
2: thinking about this today. You know how people talk about the summer of 2016 like it was like the best time ever. Is this not in your universe?
0: Not 2016, (laughs) no. That was a tough year.
2: (laughs) So imagine this, but this is like very common Twitter discourse. People talk about like, things are never going to be as good as the summer of 2016.
0: I know Harambe was 2016. Yeah,
2: and everyone just like collectively agrees that like 2016 was the best year. And I've been thinking about this and I feel like 2016 is our generation's 69, which also makes sense for voting. Because that was when political turmoil was happening. And then after, th- um, after summer 2016 is when Trump got elected. That's true. So I've been thinking about this. And I feel like that's our time. And if you look at like music in that period, that makes so much sense for where we were at as a country.
0: There is so much to unpack there that we're going to have to do it another time. But okay. that's fascinating. Well, no, we'll no, that's it that's another time. <laughs> that's, I had not thought about the parallels. Mm-hmm. But I think you're on something there. I think I that's think a I very am. good point. So this band, Bright Eyes, in someone 2004... should pay me to write about it. <laughs> Don't worry. We'll do plugs at the end of the show. Thank you. If you'd like to offer um, your services. Anyone want to
2: give me a job? I'll write about music, but I won't remember the titles.
0: So they're playing with Springsteen and R.E.M. And it's perhaps a little harder to contextualize, given the landscape of music now where, quote-unquote, indie bands are surviving solely off of streaming and off of live shows and playing festivals.
2: Pre-Spotify.
0: Pre-Spotify. And it's easy to forget that Brian Eyes was uh, on the verge of becoming legitimate stars at this point. They promoted the album both on The Late Late Show with uh, Craig Ferguson and on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. They played both of those shows, which in 2004, uh, Jay Leno's still not funny, but he is still relevant. So
2: it's also kind of pre iPod.
0: Yeah, you're right in that CD uh, digital battle mm-hmm. vinyls out for sure at this point. Yeah,
2: cassettes are kind of like I bet some early Bright Eyes stuff was cassette distributed. Yes.
0: Um. So they do that. And uh, I mentioned the album came out on January 25th, 2005. Do you yes. know what happened five days before that?
2: No, because Connor's birthday is in February.
0: What? What's When's his birthday?
2: I believe it's the 14th.
0: Oh my goodness, that's so romantic.
2: Oh yeah, well it's also my favorite holiday. So
0: interesting. You seem like someone that would combat the hallmark greed of Valentine's Day. See,
2: people tell that to me all the time, but I think my favorite things in life are love and pink, and um, the brand
0: from Victoria's Secret.
2: <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> shut up. No, much more indie than that. Um, love. <laughs> I like love. I like the color pink. I also the thing about Valentine's Day is it's Oregon's birthday, which is my oh. my home home state.
0: Well, good to know. Unfortunately, what happened on January 20th, 2005, not as happy as those things. Oh, no. It was the start of George W. Bush's second term in the White House.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, because, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yes. That makes a lot of sense.
0: Most of this album, as you will hear, is opposing...
2: Anti-George Bush.
0: Anti-George Bush, anti-Iraq War, anti-a lot of organized religion. And this was at a point where the country desperately needed... If not a Dylan-esque figure, um, and it's sonically, although this album is very folky, much like Bob Dylan, I think Connor fit the role of that rebel uh, with a cause. He was someone that was intelligent, someone that had something to say and knew what he was fighting against. And he fit into that role very well I'm So it's it. Yeah There's a really
2: good meme Of George W. Bush um, Painting Honor Oberst You know how he does his paintings I do It's a really funny meme That sounds
0: great That sounds really really good <laughs> Yeah I'm gonna have to check that out
2: <laughs> Just some <laughs> historical memes for ya <laughs>
0: So let's get into it, uh, the first song on the album is at the bottom of everything, and it starts with a little spoken word from Connor. So let's hear the spoken word first, we'll discuss yes, that.
2: let's hear it.
0: And then we'll play the song.
2: I've never been more excited.
3: So there was this woman, and she was uh, <clears throat> on an airplane, and she was flying to meet her fiance, sailing high above the, the largest ocean on planet Earth, and she was seated next to this man who You know, she had tried to start conversations, and the only, really the only thing she'd heard him say was just to order his, his Bloody Mary, and and when she's sitting there and she's reading this really arduous magazine article about a third world country that she couldn't even pronounce the, the name of, and she's feeling very bored and very despondent, and, and then, uh, suddenly, there was this huge mechanical failure, and one of the the engines gave out. and they started just falling in thirty thousand feet, the uh, pilots on the on the microphone, and he's he's saying, "I'm I'm sorry, I'm sorry, oh my God, I'm I'm sorry," I'm apologizing. And and she looks at the man, and she and she says, she says, she says, "Where are we going?" And uh, he looks at her. We're going to a party
1: it, It's a birthday party It's your birthday party Happy birthday, darling We love you very, 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 very So the very,
0: album kicks off with yes. this spoken word and, and Sierra, I feel like it's appropriate to say You are a poet slash yes. aspiring poet You and I disagree on the fundamentals of poetry I think it's kind of a wasted medium When I hear poetry, I would rather it either be funny and turn into a joke, or have it turn into a song.
2: Well, I would like to interrupt and say, first of all, my poetry is funny. I think I'm hilarious. (laughs) Um,
0: I don't think that's the point I was trying to make, but good enough. I would actually
2: also say that I don't think the beginning of this is spoken word. It's like it's not like it's poetic, but I would say it's a short story. Like I would say, it's conversational. Like this isn't written to be read by itself. And, I, like, I think when I first listened to it, it's, again, like, that whole, like, that whole thing where I was, like, oh, I've never heard anything like this before. Like, I've never heard anyone take that break. And then now, of course, I listen and I hear stuff like that all the time. Like, there's the moment where he steps away from the mic and you're, like, you feel like you're right there and you have to question how real that is. And, I like, and I when I first started listening to it, I didn't question that. And so, I, like, I was just, like, oh, my God, this is so real, this is so authentic, every part of this. And so... I don't think that's necessarily a poem. I don't think it's contrived. It's meant to sound contrived. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So do you? It have, might be, but
0: do you have any feelings on what this spoken word slash storytelling conversational piece? Yeah. Any way to unpack it as to what it might actually mean? Because it seems a little vague in why it's on the record. And I don't. Yeah. I don't know the answer to this. I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts on on why it exists, really. I mean, like I think.
2: The way that I always perceived it, and I don't know if this is, if this is like at all right, but the way that I always perceived it, knowing about his relationship with George W. Bush, was like as a callback to 9/11, um, not necessarily to be like, oh, they're all in the plane, they're all going down, but I like to address heightened fear around planes at the moment. And I don't know. You were talking about like the male perspective in. I don't even know what I would call this song. I guess folk, but the male perspective and like punk folk. And I feel like he starts it off in a very tender way. And that's, that feels very deliberate to me.
0: Okay. Interesting. I I had not actually. Like the care in it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's something that this album as a whole balances really well is. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of unfiltered aggression in this album, which, Mm Uh, is very attractive to me, but it it balances us with again this tenderness, this care, this kind of rebel with a cause attitude that I think Connor is very good at managing. I had not thought of the nine eleven angle on this. I although I like that, I actually think I that know makes if total it's sense. A
2: direct correlation, but I do feel like it was very much in public consciousness. Yeah,
0: I, I had looked at it as as a metaphor of uh we we're, we're blindly following somebody and they're kind of sending us crashing into the mountains. So yeah. I think either way it's an apt comparison for what was going on in the world at the time and then from Definitely. there we hear that we hear that spoken word and then let's hear a little bit of at the bottom of everything this is the first yes. song on i'm wide awake it's morning we must
1: talk in every telephone get eaten off the web we must rip out all the epilogues from the books that we have read into the face of every criminal strapped firmly to a chair we must stare we must stare we must stare must take all of the medicines, too expensive now to sell. Set fire to the preacher who is promising us health. Into the ear of every anarchist that sleeps but doesn't dream. We must sing, we must sing, we must sing. It'll go like this, alright. While my mother waters plants, my father loads his gone So, at
0: the bottom of everything, kicks off the album. It's a very full sound from the start. There's a lot of instrumentation. It's very folky, a lot of Americana influence. Mm -hmm. You can tell just from the DIY nature of Connor and the way he came up in the music industry that I think it's fair to say there is a bit of a punk influence, if not sonically than in the way he presents himself and the way he presents the music.
2: Yeah, that's why I'm always so hesitant to call him, like, a punk artist, because his his music is very folky, or at least, like...
0: Inspired. Like a, yeah,
2: folk-inspired. I mean, he has a lot of ballads, so it's, like, a lot of him is, is like, singer-songwriter acoustic stuff, but there is, there's just such a punk element where you're like, oh, you made this. Like, yeah. you made this yourself.
0: Well, and it goes back to the Rolling Stone review that we talked about at the top of the show, where... Regardless of what you think of Connor and his music, there's something that I like about Connor that I also weirdly attribute to the band La Dispute, and although they sound totally different, um, they are so dedicated to what their vision is, and I think whether that vision is for people or not, they set out to accomplish something, and they do it, and I find that to be very commendable. Now, it just so happens that I enjoy both of those artists very much, but... There's an authenticity to Bright Eyes music and to La Dispute music to where even if you're covering it, it doesn't... It's not the same thing. It doesn't have as much merit as the actual artist doing it because it is so warped into the artist's universe, into that artist's vision, and I, I really find that commendable, and I think... At the bottom of everything, we'll talk about it in just a little bit, about how I don't love this as the first song on the album. Oh, I do. But I love this as a song. So you like this at the top of the album.
2: I think it's a great top of the album. I think there's nowhere else you can put a song that starts with this. A- with spoken word if we're going to call it that i don't i don't know what we're going to call it okay i'm not i'm not making you feel bad about this i just don't know what we're going to call it can we
0: have a treaty to agree that at least for the sake of this podcast that spoken word it's called spoken word i don't need you to dissect my poetry analysis all that much if you're
2: gonna hire me to write please know that i know that this isn't spoken word okay so i don't think that there's a place that you can put spoken word in this album Especially something that begins with a plane crash that isn't at the beginning. I think it's such a good introduction. I think, like, when the fullness of the band comes in, I think that is how you start an album. I've been to a Connor concert where he started with this, and it is, oh, it's so electric. Like, it's such a communal song. Even when you're listening to it alone, you're like, oh, yeah, we're like, you're like, yeah, that's what this feels like. It feels like being at a concert.
0: Speaking of plane crashes in the early 2000s.
2: Oh, yes. This my song. my favorite topic. So
0: this song or I'm sorry, this album came out January twenty-fifth, two thousand five. Um yes. the TV show Lost mm. plane crash debut September twenty second, two thousand four. Did you uh, watch Lost?
2: I um watched the last episode. <laughs> the one where they're like it's all the dream. Okay, so um, <laughs> no spoiler. Sorry. <laughs>
0: no, the, the spoiler warning on Lost is is no longer valid. I would <laughs> I would recommend watching literally every other episode. Um okay. not not the last one. The last
2: one we just we don't listen to.
0: The last one, I think the lost finale is uh often too harshly criticized. I actually find it to be a compelling uh episode of TV, but the first four seasons of Lost and you know my viewing habits. It's mm-hmm. strictly good TV good tv good I mean, tv oh, sierra mm-hmm. thank you so much the highest
2: the, the highest standard the highest standard tv too the highest standard. i do not i love love island i feel like it's probably better than lost
0: it's re- <laughs> hey, similar shows at the very <laughs> least there when, is an island <laughs> they are lost they can't
2: get out in one of them they all have to share a bed with a couple and then at the end if you're not a part of a couple you get kicked off the island in the other one that's kind of lost right
0: that's kind of lost wait that's
2: kind of lost love island and lost are the same but tom hanks tom wait is tom hanks not in lost Mm -mm. who's in lost
0: cast well you're thinking of castaway i'm thinking
2: of castaway because castaway has the volleyball
0: that is correct oh fuck lost is a (laughs) bunch of people that i don't think are uh relevant anymore with the exception of the bigger guy, Hurley, who was on the Weezer album cover.
2: I want to I get back to this song. Yes. And I want to ask you, do you think that this is fan fiction of Lost?
0: God, I hope so. <laughs>
2: and that's something- <laughs> Do you think Connor was like, what if I wrote a song and a spoken word poem about the beginning of Lost? <laughs> and he's just like,
0: guys, I've been watching this show and you would not believe what's happening. He came into the studio. They're about to like master the album. It's almost done. And he comes in with a pad of paper, and they're like, Oh, what's Connor, guys? He can do like like another like Lua, like something to, like close eyes. He's like, guys, have you been watching ABC Mondays at nine? Oh my god. <laughs> Cause this show Lost is unbelievable. He's artistically inspired. <laughs> to say the least. Oh so that is at the bottom of everything. Uh, it goes from that into We Are Nowhere and It's Now. An incredibly captivating song title and one that we're gonna hear a little bit of now. Why do you drink get tell
1: you're blind And if you swear that there's no truth And who cares How come you say it like you're right Why are you scared to dream of God When it's salvation that you want You see stars that clear Have been dead for years but the
0: idea
2: just lives on. I love this song.
0: You love this song. Give it to me. Give it to me. I think I love pitch. all
2: of them. I think I love all of them. But recently, I was um, sitting in my room with my friends, and we all were having some whiskey. Um, and we all, it was like midnight, and we put on this album. And for some reason, I skipped the first song, and I started with this one. And I was like, oh, this is what I thought life was going to be like.
0: Which is what? Like,
2: I thought I was just going to be 20. Listening to nowhere, and it's now sitting with my friends in my apartment and drinking a little whiskey. Like that's what I thought my life was going to be like when I was twenty, and it is. Like I feel like it was a self fulfilling <laughs> so prophecy. things have worked out. You're doing so, pretty well. But I mean, like in a good way. Like I was like, this is so funny. Like I felt like I was living in like my own like journal pages. That's
0: really funny. It was so <laughs> silly. I, so were you journaling about Fridays at some point?
2: Oh uh, yeah. So I've kept a really detailed journal since I was like twelve. Yeah. So I have my journals. Oh, I should have brought them.
0: We'll do a second episode where it's just a live journal reading. <laughs> oh my
2: God. I should have brought them because I'm sure I have like, oh my God, I went to Connor Ober's concert tonight. Yeah. I went with Grace and Maria. Yeah. I, I know. I, I, I can tell you exactly what I talked about in my journal. Because that, that was also when I was listening to Cold War Kids.
0: Okay. Yeah. I know Hang Me Up to Dry, that's it. I,
2: th- I think that was also the only one I knew, but I was listening to them a lot. But that was the only one I could
0: sing. That song's a good... That's a good song. It's
2: a good song. Yeah. I would also... Yeah. It's, I would endorse.
0: So We Are Nowhere and It's Now. Emily Lou Harris comes on a little bit later on this song, but we'll talk about her... It
2: sounds good.
0: It sounds great. We'll talk about her a little bit later on because she rejoins the album for a few tracks uh, towards the back half of the album. One thing stuck out to me immediately, listening to this song, and... Uh, I, this took me a bit of a, well, one, listening to it now, I was like, oh, this sounds like it could have been on Elliott Smith's XO, which is high praise. That's the best Elliott Smith album. Uh, come at me, and I will tell you why you're wrong if you disagree.
2: Well, it's one of the like least distinctive Bright Eye songs, I feel like. I feel like it's very, like, this could have been written-
0: it does it does not have the same But I
2: love it. But yeah. I mean, it could have been But
0: fun. it doesn't have that same luster that some of the other songs do where it's uniquely that Bright Eyes Vision. Yeah. This does fall into a little bit of uh, not not complacency, but you're right. It this could be another band song. Yeah. And I don't Which think that would change. Honestly us.
2: makes it easy easy listening when you like put it on and you're like, okay.
0: Yeah, that's exactly it. Mm-hmm. Um but there's something about this that I love where we are nowhere in it's now, to me, very funny song title. As I was listening to this, there were a few lyrics that jumped out of my mind, and and it did constantly throughout the album. I think this episode, more than any particular, I'm going to pick out some lyrics that I really enjoyed. But all I could think was, whether it's Myspace, Tumblr, or Instagram, Connor Oberst has been providing captions for, like, millions of people for 15 years now.
2: I literally have so many. I think I have... I think I have You're the Yellow Bird that I've been waiting for (laughs) as at least, like, three of my Instagram captions. And I think sometimes it's just, like, a yellow bird emoji. (laughs) If you scroll back further enough. enough, um.
0: Because, like, I don't... um, I try to avoid... I try to avoid song lyrics on my Instagram only because I my taste would make my posts seem bitter or sad when they're not supposed to. But, like, here, like...
2: Also, all your posts are, like, photos of you at a concert. So not then, even of
0: me at a concert. That's they're the best like, part. they just, like, of the
2: concert. So if you also posted the lyric, we'd be like, we get it. Yeah. We get it, Case.
0: 37 likes for me at the Metzinger Show. My Instagram's great. Um, um,
2: you should try some Bright Eyes <laughs> lyrics. I've been doing really good. <laughs> but
0: it's like, if you hate the taste of wine, why do you drink till you're blind? I think that's super funny. That would work great as a caption. Why are you See, so- I
2: think when I was 14, I thought that was really deep. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, everyone's dealing with addiction. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, how, how I can I I was living help? in Portland, okay?
0: <laughs> uh, that's... So terrific. And why are you scared to dream of God when it's salvation that you want is also so, so deep. And that's one that I think holds up. Oh, I think no, that is a great lyric.
2: And I I mean honestly think drink drinking Till You're Blind is a good lyric too. I I think I think it all works in the context of the song, but like sometimes when I think about it, I'm like
0: <laughs> Well, it goes back to the possible stigma surrounding the band. Yes, uh, exactly. And I think it's a lot of it's bullshit. A lot of it is just Um, in particular a male exposes raw emotion yeah and people don't know how to react so they make fun of them I agree and I at least like soft
2: boy trend
0: yeah yeah that's a very would you want to explain that to the listeners what that is yeah
2: I mean like the idea of like a sensitive boy like usually an artist type being like vulnerable and then people are like oh you're such an archetype of who you are and
0: I think it's ridiculous
2: okay well there's just it's not, it's not you being an archetype. It's just you being a man showing emotion. Yeah. And I feel the same way, like, about Bright Eyes specifically, because I feel like Connor has a more, like, in his solo career, has a more male-dominated audience, but I feel like because Bright Eyes has such, like, a young female audience, people oftentimes discount them or think that they're, like, less than they are yeah. because of that.
0: I've noticed, and maybe it's just the people I hang around with or just the people I associate with, but I feel like I get a way harder time for my female friends about liking bands like this or liking the front bottoms. Oh, interesting. That I do my male friends now again. I am also surrounded by male artists that understand it to a certain extent. Yeah, but I feel like
2: what, liking the front bottoms is silly, and I I love them. Like I say lightly. that. <laughs> like I say that loving them, liking them is silly. Like, I, they're a silly band.
0: I, You have to be all in on them. If you just you, kind of like the front bottoms, that's a little weird. You can't be a casual
2: front bottoms <laughs> fan. Like, I am... And, and you have to be ready to defend it. Yes. Whereas, like, I feel like there's a specific art artistic quality to Bright Eyes that you can be like, no, they're, they're well, really...
0: That, no, that's exactly... That's a great point. Yeah. Because Bright Eyes, the guy standing at the counter at the record store can pimp bright eyes and feel sophisticated and have a bit of an ego trip but it's hard to do with the front bottoms given their lyricism
2: exactly and that's how i feel because like yeah i moved from i moved from bright eyes where i was like i can feel good about this into liking the front bottoms because i was like okay i went through all the bright
0: eyes (laughs) i gotta listen to something else i
2: was like guess i guess i gotta find something new to (laughs) to romanticize about (laughs) help me romanticize my suburban life
1: Grey light, new day leaks through the window An old soul song comes on the alarm clock radio We walk the 40 blocks to the middle Of the place we heard that everything would be And there were barricades to keep us off the street
0: so here, track three, Connor Oberst proves that he is New World Order for life. That's a reference that I don't think you understood, but I it know. made me laugh. So oh, but New
2: World Order sounds a little bit like a Star Wars term. <laughs> Like the new order, you yeah,
0: know. no, it, it's one word off. I get it. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, a bit of a, a protest song, with the idea of he's recapping a protest here, which is an odd uh, viewpoint. I you you feel I feel like when I hear a lot of protest songs, I use that in air quotes. It's people. Why do you use that in air quotes? Because there's no uh, exact definition of a protest. Of a protest song. song? Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Uh, it's people in the thick of things. It's people in the battle. And it's almost like Connor showed up to this, like, protest with, like, a moleskin notebook and was just writing down what he saw, which is fine. It's a beautiful song. I like this song a lot. And I think it shows off one of the biggest advantages that Connor has, which is that this is a very angry album. And I compare it, I, you know, most of my view, or my references are to this band, but I compare it to the Smiths in the sense that a lot of people consider the Smiths to be a very sad band, but if you listen to them closely, they're an angry band. They have a lot of aggression. Connor is able to... It's
2: very sleep. The song's very asleep. Sleep?
0: No. Asleep. Yeah, the, the, song the song is very asleep. Oh, interesting. That
2: makes sense to me.
0: Do you want to expand on that or no? You don't I have mean, to. I would just say
2: like, like it's a moment that they took, like, like Connor and, and Morrissey took and were like, I want to talk about this more. No, and I it like, like that. Feels like a little self-indulgent. Like you're like, okay. That is a
0: Morrissey or and Connor song. So yeah. It tracks.
2: Yeah, like it feels a little self-indulgent, especially in the anger. But you're like, okay, like I'm like I'm interested.
0: Yeah, because I think that's what uh, both of those artists, but uh, we're talking about Connor here that they do so well is he's able to drift in and out of kind of this crooner sound, this slower, more melodic uh, sound. But then, especially in this song, towards the end of it it's not even angsty is not the right word because angsty would belittle what he's doing it's very aggressive Mm -hmm. and you can hear it in his voice that he's angry and he's sick and tired of what's going on and i just hit me listening to this every single time that i went through this album was uh, this is a uh, it reminds me of a smith song just in that like well if you're really listening to this like he's really heated about this and i think that gets glossed over in both of the band's legacies as they're labeled as these sad bands when in reality uh, they might have sad songs, but I think that's a gross generalization of them.
2: Mm. I think like this song, especially like when you talk about it being a protest song, like I'm really interested in like the relationship between politics and music. And I feel like this is honestly ahead of its time in the, like the hopelessness that's in it like I feel like a lot of what he's talking about or what people are talking about now in art which is going to protest, which is participating being a good citizen and then still thinking but none of this is enough and all of this is happening around me and that's like a, a conversation that's only recently started happening as people being like nothing is getting better and that's what I get from this song is he's like I'm here I'm at this protest and none of it is gonna get better and that's inherently sad but it's also like angry
0: there's a singer named pat the bunny that says in a song if singing changed anything they'd make it illegal and yeah. that's a little corny but i i like that lyric but and i we are uh a similar politically but i think we go about things a little bit differently in terms of our involvement i would agree in our engagement with certain things yeah whereas although there's atrocities happening all over the world that are uh, even not necessarily affiliate affiliated to certain parties, there's just yeah. atrocities happening that are unfortunate and, and, the, and it shouldn't be happening. Yeah. I tend to gravitate a little bit more towards art and the way that it can comfort me. And I, and I think it's fair to say you gravitate a little bit more towards action and perhaps creating art that can, at least the idea being that it can help spark change.
2: Yeah, no, I definitely agree and I think that both exist like on the same plane. Like I think that people need as much comfort as they do things to do. And I like I think that both of those are very valuable, but I feel like like this song is just one like one specific moment in taking action where you're doing all of this stuff And you're like, oh, but no one really has the answers. And people see that all the time now because people are like, there's an increase in in involvement in like the DSA and different political parties. And and these like new people will show up and they'll show up to protests and they'll be like, well, OK, what are we doing? Or they'll show up to meetings and be like, well, what are we going to we're just sitting around talking about problems. What are we going to do about it? And everyone has to kind of look at each other and be like, if there's something that we could do, we would have done it. We're just talking about it because we have to. And I feel like that's what he's talking about in this.
1: I know that it is freezing, but I think we have to walk. I keep waving at the taxis, they keep turning their lights off. But Julie knows a party at some actor's west side loft. Supplies are endless in the evening. By the morning, they'll
0: be gone. So this is Lua. This is track four on the Bright Eyes album that we're discussing. And when I brought this up to Sierra, Sierra was somebody that I knew from day one I wanted to have on the podcast for a number of reasons. Mainly just you're one of my favorite people on earth. Thank you. And I was thinking earlier today, I was like, it's so weird that uh, at this time last year, I didn't know you because you've kind of become ingrained in my daily life. That's Mm -hmm. just an aside. Um, But... I saw one night we were hanging out, and I was digging through your vinyl collection, and I saw this album, and I was like, perfect. That's It's, first of all, so on brand. (laughs) On the nose. Just so on the, the, the nose of who you are as a person, but it was also one that I wanted to discuss. I wanted to have you on the podcast anyway. It was a perfect storm. And then... When I asked you when you wanted to be on, you're like, Well, we're doing the Lua album, right? And I was like, Yeah. And you're like, Well, good, I, I wanna talk about Lua. I this is <laughs> the, I, I, we're the Lua album, right? So, Sierra, you have the floor on Lua.
2: I'm so glad. This song is everything I have ever been and everything I have ever loved. This song is everything to me. I didn't know that this was the Wide Awake It's Morning album. I know that I like I knew that in the back of my head, but I think of this just as the Lua album because I love this song so much. I, it was the first song that all of my best friends learned to play on the guitar because it was the one that we liked to sing together. And when I was graduating high school, um, I did this like, it wasn't related to high school, it was just that time in my life. Um, I was doing this cabaret with one of my um, best friends and she ended up singing this song as like a wrap up of everything that we had done together for the last four years. And it, as much as like it memory wise, serves like that whole time period for me it also is I think who I wanted to be like I think I wanted to be this girl that was going to a party at a west side loft and like I like there was just something so romantic about that and so beautiful um of just being in that moment and the song itself is so tender it's just so it's sweet it's a sweet song and the end is bittersweet and I think that that's like, I think that things being bittersweet are so cliche, but also the thing that we resonate most with.
0: Like, I, that's oh. incredibly well said. I look at, I, I look at it a little bit more, I guess, bittersweet because I was thinking it was more of a tragedy of they have this this amazing night together and then by the morning it's rendered useless. But that also just might be my perspective on the world and you know, of partying that I just don't. Necessarily a line of like this night sounds stressful to me. Yeah, <laughs> this no. does not sound like this fun. is not
2: Case's night. Like, no, no one's like, Case, let's go to this actor's west side loft. I'm
0: like, oh, we <laughs> let's gotta go
2: smoke a cig. Yeah, like, well,
0: oh, it starts at 10. <laughs> now I'm, I'm out. I, <laughs> There's I'm gonna the be face.
2: no sprite. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no.
0: I'll bring a sprite. That's never the problem. If you're wondering, should I invite Case to the party? Well, I don't have sprite. Let's not invite him. No, I will bring the sprite. Yes, just and,
2: make it exist before ten o'clock. At
0: the in night. a way, I'll bring the party. It just has. I have to get there before ten o'clock. Mm-hmm. None of these ten forty-five invites. I'm so over that. <laughs> but Lua's incredible, and it's a. Uh, it's a four and a half minute song that is just Connor and it's, his guitar. And it's, Every
2: part of it is so good. Like, I wouldn't be able to tell you it's a four and a half minute song. Like, I, I think of it and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's 60 seconds. That's 60 seconds, but also four years of my life. But I
1: sing glow.
0: So Train Underwater is track five on the album. It is the longest song on the album at just over six minutes. And, uh, well, let's go to you first. What do you think of Train Underwater as a song?
2: I, like, my, like, strongest memory with Train Underwater is that it was the song I think I played for my parents when they were like, show us what kind of music you like. I was like, okay, what song <laughs> can I show them? And I was like, I feel like this one's harmless. And then you start listening and you're like, oh. There's not really anyone that's harmless. (laughs) So that's my train underwater story.
0: I think it's a lovely song. Uh, On prior episodes, I've talked about how I don't like music over five minutes typically.
2: I think that's fair. I think...
0: Thank you, by the way.
2: No, I think that's fair. I think Bright Eyes for me is an exception because I'm like, everything's such a story and I'm willing to give them the space that they need to tell that
0: long story. I'm very into the song. This Mm -hmm. is not my it's not my favorite on the album but it's one of my favorites Mm -hmm. um there's a lot to like here i think this song is constructed and mixed in a way to where the instrumentation of it which is beautiful there's a lot of guitars that uh, connect to me on some sort of emotional level but it's all structured in a way to where it almost assists connor's vocals i mean it it's oh, funny yeah. going from Lua, which is just Connor and his guitar, to this, which is a full band experience that mm-hmm. is not necessarily working with Connor, but more working for Connor. Yeah. And I think it adds to the lyrics of the song, I think it adds to the story. And I'm a huge fan. Again, not my favorite, but in my top three for sure. I think the song is just terrific.
2: Well, it's interesting because like he's not a good singer. <laughs> like
0: oh, here we go.
2: Wait, do you think he's a good singer?
0: I love his voice, but this. See,
2: that's the thing is, I love his voice, and I don't think people have to be a good singer to like for you to love them, like love their voice. And I feel like in this song, song specifically, also I would say that that's an argument for why um, "Traveling Song" um, should be the first song. Uh, is because like it's so distinctly like his voice, like lyrically, but also just all uh, like audio wise, like you're like, oh yeah, like th- that's Connor. in the same way that you are with Bob Dylan, you're like, oh yeah.
0: I prescribe to the idea that all my favorite singers couldn't sing. But like I said, I last, feel like
2: that's a really indie boy thing to say that. It's a David like, Berman
0: quote, so uh, yes, it very I, much is all My
2: favorite singers couldn't sing. <laughs> and my thing is, would you say that about Morrissey?
0: No, Morrissey operates in a different universe where Cuz I feel
2: like people compare the two of them all the time and I'm not here for it.
0: Well, it's weird discussing Morrissey because you could make an argument on the first 3 Smiths records that his voice isn't that great with the exception of like that joke isn't funny anymore comes to mind. It's like, oh no, he sounds I mean, he sounds absolutely incredible on that song, but I mean, I saw Morrissey in September and his voice truly does sound better than than it ever has before. And that's uh, looking at things from the studio and what he's done, but also most of the Morrissey I consume is bootlegs and live performances. I mean, that
2: makes sense because he had to like, yes, like the older you get, the more you have to take care of your voice. Yeah.
0: I mean, he really, (laughs) at this point... He really can sing, and he he just released a single where I was actually like, oh, he's actually singing a little too much for me. Like this is. You were like, oh. I was I was not.
2: Okay, Barbara Streisand, (laughs) calm down. (laughs) (laughs) It
0: it sounds like a hotel lounge song. Like I'm I'm not into it, and it really hurts me to say that. But it's not for me.
2: I think Morrissey. People compare him and Connor all the time. I think Connor has some similarities to Morrissey, but I think they're so fundamentally different in- Yes. What they write about and who they are as people, and like their their like relationship with fame and their really like I I just don't like I don't see that at all. I'm always like okay, but all sad boys aren't the same boy. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> I say, as a like record of my dating life, all sad boys aren't the same boy. I promise, it's a different one this time.
0: <sighs> In defense of Morrissey, because we know. Currently, Uh, he's not doing a ton right. uh, But in 2004, uh, 2005... He was very anti-George W. Bush. I just feel like we that should... you were going to say
2: he was anti-Jew?
0: <laughs> Which I would believe... No. He, as far as I know, there's been no transgressions against those your people.
2: Morrissey is an anti-Semite. Please don't say that
0: into a microphone. Gonna, Pitchfork is going to hear this and run with it. I
2: hope Pitchfork hears it and has to quote me. Morrissey, well, <laughs> if you're listening.
0: To continue on the trend of comparing Smiths with bright eyes, Uh, There is a light that never goes out as a song that has uh, wound up in jukeboxes, on karaoke nights, and playlists of all kinds for decades and decades. And I think this next song, First Day of My Life by Bright Eyes, is in the same vein as that. Let's hear a little bit of this now.
1: This is the first day of my life. I swear I was born, right in the doorway I went out in the rain suddenly everything changed They're spreading blankets on the beach Yours is the first face that I saw I think I was blind before I met you And I don't know where I am, I don't
2: know where I've been, but I
1: Nowhere I want
2: to go. As a Bright Eyes fan, you're not supposed to like this song because you're supposed to be like, Ugh, that's their most mainstream work. But this is such a good
0: song. It almost brings me to tears. Literally every single time I listen every to time. it. Every time, and I know that's a ridiculous thing to say. No, me too. It's a perfect song.
2: It's so good, and people get so pissed about it because they're like, "Ah, oh, that's like, like they sold out for that song, because they needed like a number one like radio spot." I don't know how radio works. Um, <laughs> <but> obviously. <laughs> But this song is so good lyrics wise, instrumentally, narrative wise, like, ah, the place that it ends you, where it takes you. Also, like, I feel like Connor doesn't write a lot of love stories. And this song is the closest that he gets to a love story. I it,
0: think it's certainly a little bit more digestible than Lua. If we're yeah. talking about romance, it's, exactly, yeah, it's a little more on the on the same plane as most of America, rather than New bit. York elitists <laughs> that have drug addictions. <laughs> Sorry, you hate cocaine. <laughs> oh, you know me. Um, first day of my life. Well, you mentioned radio, which is funny because I was actually trying to do some research on this, and nothing. Necessarily jumped out when I was looking at it, but because this was a relatively uh, mainstream album, I mean, it had mainstream success. I was trying yeah. to find. I mean,
2: it was the first song I found on Pandora. So yeah, like, exactly. I'm like, this was the one. And
0: the Pandora algorithm is not exactly known for deep cuts.
2: Yeah, they were not. They were not trying to find me. Uh, digital Ashes.
0: Exactly. <laughs> but like alternative radio in 2005 would have been Nickelback and Seether and like Breaking Benjamin and all these just bands that.
2: Yeah, so they wouldn't have fit with that.
0: No, but I what I couldn't tell was where Bright Eyes spent in that landscape because now when it's an unfortunate part of the music industry that uh, a band like Blitter, Better Oblivion Community Center, which is Connor Oberst and my Phoebe future Bridges. ex-wife Phoebe Bridgers. Oh my God. Unbelievable. Um,
2: do I get to marry her after? Wait, no, I want to date her first.
0: Uh, that's fine. Okay. I'm not choosy on when I get it as long as I can do it. Okay. Um, I'll introduce you. Thank you. That really means a lot. <laughs> they uh they are in relegated is not the right word but they dominate the NPR all songs considered the KEXPs of the world these public radio stations that have music that is where these bands wind up now and a song like this it just seems so undeniably great that i do wonder where it fit into the more mainstream alternative rock scene of the time. And I just don't know the answer to that, but it was something yeah, I was thinking about. Yeah, because it's
2: not a pop song and it's not like Ingrid Michaelson. Like it's like, like, it's like a very specific moment, but it's so, everyone likes this song. No one doesn't like this song. It's a,
0: it's a beautiful song. Have you seen the music video for this song?
2: Oh no, I'm about to ruin my life by watching this music video.
0: It's, it's shockingly emotional. It reminds me, have you seen, well, I'm going to ask you another media question. Have you seen When Harry Met Sally? Yeah. It reminds me of the couples that they interview for When Harry Met Sally, when they do those cutaways to those very old people. Yes. And they talk about their love. It's that, but with 2005 Democrats. So it's like...
2: I'm going to oh. cry. <laughs> it's like... I'm going to cry. It's
0: like white girls with dreads and some dudes in visor beanies. Oh, why do white girls always have to have
2: dreads? I'm tired of being represented as a white woman. By white girls that have dreads and call themselves Democrats. It's
0: really the biggest struggle in your life right now.
2: I would probably say yes. Well,
1: now the ocean speaks and spits and I can hear it from the state. And I'm screaming at my brother on his cell phone. He is far away. And I'm saying nothing. So we're parking in an alley Just hoping that our shit is safe So I go back and forth forever All my thoughts, they come in pairs I will, I won't, I doubt I'm not surprised But I never feel quite prepared
2: Whoa. I'm convinced that the song was written For, like, such a specific moment of, like, dancing in your room with friends. Also, secondarily, I think the other moment it can be used is in, like, a montage of, like, an up-and-coming band. It's a movie. Okay. So, it's it's a movie, and it's a movie about an up-and-coming band. And this is
0: another traveling song by Bright Eyes. Yes. Yes.
2: Another traveling song by Bright Eyes is used in a movie about an up and coming band of like three misfit friends and they're going on a they're going on a cross country tour and this song is the montage of them going into all these like sketchy venues and they're like ha 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 because it's fine because we're all together
0: I would like to see that movie
2: Thank you I'm working on
0: it <laughs> <laughs> this, So this is another travel song uh, my favorite song on the album Emmy Lou fair. Harris. That's it, very fair. Thank you. Emily Lou Harris is back on this, and we hear her in the next song, but she adds a legitimacy to this album. Oh,
2: she does. That is,
0: I mean, again, they were playing with REM and Neil Young and Bruce Springsteen. They had honed their craft and had not become. Um, Enough to be with the boss. They they were no longer a basement dwelling band. I mean, they had a legitimate production, a legitimate sound, and Emily Lou Harris adds to that so much on the song i you mentioned that this uh could be your alternative opener or your alternate opener yeah i subscribe to the theory that first day of my life should be the first song on the album i disagree that's fine um i think that
2: ahead. i think that a first day of my life was the first song on this album people would turn it off i think they'd be like that's what that's gonna be that's what i needed <laughs> they're like that's the single okay i'm done it's because like, it's long too. Yeah. Like they'd be like, okay, that was it.
0: Another traveling song does work in that, like, oh, we're ready to go because I like a more upbeat opener. I
2: like an upbeat opener. Yeah, and, and it's this is and like that. it's also the full sound, like you're like, ah yeah, okay, we're here, we're in this moment. I found a quick
1: cure. From my landlocked blues. It will pass away like a slow parade. It's leaving, but I don't know how soon.
0: We heard Emmylou Harris earlier in the album. We heard her on track two, and then we heard her on another traveling song. And I think she she shines brightest, rather, here on track eight. This is Landlocked Blues. Sierra, your thoughts on this song?
2: I feel like this is prime Connor. I feel like this song has everything that they want to be, and they they did it, and they did it really well. Like, it's, it's angsty. But it's still very like sweet and soulful. But then Connor's going going hard, and then they were like, "We gotta t- we gotta tone it back with with Amy Lou
0: It's a, a bit of a letdown given the prior song, not in terms of uh, quality, but in terms of uh, emotionally. It's, yeah, like build. A, it's a downer. It's a breakup song. They they do this thing as the song progresses where uh, Lou and Connor are not necessarily singing together as much as they are singing at each other or almost on top of each other and i think it's uh works metaphorically as a couple fighting or a relationship ending they're almost on separate pages even if they're saying the same things Mm -hmm. and i like that quite a bit the uh the pitchfork review which we'll discuss a little bit more uh when we conclude the album but there's a great line in that uh that pertains to the song uh, where the writer says, and I quote, If Digital Ash sounds like indie kids breaking into pop, its sister disc, I'm Wide Awake It's Morning, is a red-blooded folk album that coincidentally, that is coincidentally built to be a hugely, hugely popular album. Oberst has been so close to Americana that I'm Wide Awake It's Morning won't surprise anyone, and even Emmylou Harris's glorious cameos aren't a stamp of approval so much as a professional decision to bring in someone who can nail these harmonies, a rare and totally warranted exception to the friends-only policy because a 20-something couldn't make pretty sound as weary as Harris on Landlocked Blues.
2: Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. I feel like growing up, I had a lot of friends in bands. And then they'd be like, oh, we need a female singer. And then they'd be like, oh, I guess we'll just pick this pretty
0: friend of ours.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and they never picked me. And I was always mad about
0: it. And you have a singing background or no singing I background? I have a singing background. Oh, God, I didn't know that. And I know
2: all of these songs, let me tell you. But I'm no Emily Lou Harris, so... I can't I can't take her part in this, but she's she's doing well on this on this piece. It's so melancholy. It's like the bittersweet that we were talking about.
0: It's a It's a heartbreaking song, and then I think this next song as well Poison Oak kind of plays into the sadder aspects of this album.
2: Yeah.
1: Poison Oak. Some boyhood, bravery. When a telephone was a tin can on a string And I fell asleep with you still talking to me You said you weren't afraid to die
0: Poison Oak is a song that deals a lot with death. It is uh, in the same vein as Landlocked Blues, where I I think it's one of the sadder tracks on the album. And there's a line specifically, when I heard this, uh, for one of the first times, because this is an album that I was familiar with the hits on this album and familiar with the kind of aura that this album had, but a song like this I had not heard until I started listening to this for this podcast. There was a line here that made me think of you specifically, uh, in verse two, what he says, let the poets cry themselves to sleep. Is that something you find yourself relating to at all?
2: Oh, always. <laughs> I love being a poet that cries myself to sleep. Again,
0: I, very on brand, on the nose for you. I yeah. think it's a lovely trait that you have, but I figured this was kind of in your ballpark. No, this is totally
2: my song. Like I remember listening to this and just like like the first time I heard it, I was like, oh yeah, I'm here. I was like mm, this is it this is and I think that's why I love them so much because I'm like like when I listen to them I'm like this is this is home this is what that is
0: I think there's something very powerful about bright eyes where if you look at the visual imagery of this album and you look at the music videos or live performances from this era and what they were wearing it might seem visually dated but songs like this that deal with death and are talking about, um, opposing a war that we arguably should have never been in in the first place. that we're
2: still in.
0: That we're still in. And given recent circumstances, it seems like another one might be on the horizon. There's something that Brian Eyes has been able to accomplish with this record that even though parts of it are such of a time and place, the legacy of this album will live on because there are universal subjects. And unfortunately, with the way the world is, uh, there are things that we would have hoped would be dated by now, but they are just as prevalent as ever. And I think Poison Oak does a very good job of uh, capturing what Bright Eyes is as a band.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's about people. Like, it's it's less about, like, I mean, we talk about, like, the big stuff, and it is a very political album, but it's so much about people and how they are feeling. Um, even in response to political turmoil, it's never about the world it's always internal and i think that's what's that's what
0: keeps it relevant absolutely so we end the album track 10 this is road to joy off of bright eyes i'm wide awake it's morning
1: up with no conclusions flowers sleeping in their beds the city cemeteries humming, I'm wide awake it's morning I have my drugs I have my woman they keep away my loneliness my parents they have their religion but sleep in separate houses I
0: read This is the most pretentious song I've ever heard.
2: That line is so good. I don't know what you're talking about.
0: There's a lot to like in this album, specifically the line of my parents have their religion, but they sleep in separate houses. There's... Why are you not going to talk
2: about I have my drugs, I have my women?
0: <laughs> I think that's your fantasy, not mine. <laughs> that's
2: truly, that's all I want. <laughs> I want just to be like, I've got my drugs, I've got my women.
0: Everything's fine. Everything, everything's
2: everything been fine. I could have been a famous singer. Could have. Um, If I had someone else's voice. <laughs> that's
0: there's, how I feel. <laughs> there's a lot to like about this song, but I can't get over the idea of a folkified version of obviously beethoven's ode to joy and there is an unbridled angst in this song that oh totally is not quite eye roll inducing because it's undeniably great
2: it's like if my chemical romance sounded interesting <laughs> Whew, <man.
0: laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> that, was, that was a heavy shot as a the cut MC- deep <laughs> at the mcr fan base which is Uh, not the time nor the place but i was never an mcr i was never into that specific scene all of my emo listing came later
2: see i wasn't into that because i was like why would i be into that when i can literally listen to bright eyes and they sound better and people won't make fun of me
0: did you ever go to warp tour (laughs) no yeah
2: i don't like moshing
0: that's right yeah yeah anyways at the front bottom show it'll be fun but there's so much to uh
2: i like a head bob
0: this is a head bop song right here. No,
2: this is a dance song. I think like even when I was at concerts and they would play this song, I would dance. I think like like nothing, like especially just cuz it builds and it builds and it builds. Like you've got that little like bounce in your body, so everyone's dancing a little bit. I think this is 100% a dance song.
0: I can I can agree with that. I'll co-sign that. It's a powerful song even if a little bit of it is more 15-year-old anger than 24-year-old anger, and although those are both relatively young in the grand scheme of things, there's a a maturity that I almost feel like this song lacks compared to most of the album, but I'm okay with that because it's one song, and it's, again, it's so Connor, it's so in-your-face, anti-war, anti-religion, this is my vision of what the earth should be, and I think that's a good thing. I just think of the way it's produced. It's... I just,
2: I I, I feel like everything you were angry about when you were 14 is the same thing you are angry about now.
0: That's unfortunately probably correct.
2: I think that's true for literally everyone. And I mean, give or take a few issues maybe you're not angry about. <laughs> but I, I feel like 14 and 24, everyone carries the same, like the same anger. And you might have let go of certain parts of it. So I feel like to say that that's... Immature is not true. He's just voicing, he like the stuff that you're not supposed to talk about. No,
0: I think you're right in that aspect. I I just find the overall production of the song and specifically the idea that he's doing a uh, play on a Beethoven song. Yes, yeah, a little cringe. It's a little bit absurd. It's a little cringe. So that is. But
2: it's so good, so it's okay. <laughs> it's,
0: we give it a pass. Yes. So that is Brian eyes. I'm wide awake. It's morning. Ten songs, 45 minutes. Uh, to get into the critical uh, reception of this, just a little bit, Pitchfork gave this an 8.7 out of 10. The original were wrong, it's
2: 10 out of 10. Pitchfork, <laughs> let me write for you.
0: It is uh, the original review is still on the website. It came out a day before the album was released, and with that, in this same article, you can read the review for Digital Earn, which was given a 7.2. The Enemy gave this an 8 out of 10, and Rolling Stone gave this a 4 out of 5. So, Sierra, you just said it. Is it a 10 out of 10 album for you? Uh,
2: I mean, yeah. This is is the best album. There's no mood where I don't want to listen to this album. I am constantly in the state of I'm Wide Awake It's Morning.
0: In the pantheon of your favorite recorded music? Is this up there as like an elite tier? Oh yeah, I would
2: say this is top three. Perfect. And I think, like, I don't want to say it's because it's the best music that's ever been recorded, (laughs) but I think like, I I truly think that like music is only what your memories are with it. And like, to me, this is such a, this is such a lifetime moment, Mm -hmm. this album. I love it.
0: I think that's great. I, again, have a bit of a fresher relationship with it because- I knew I knew probably half of the songs going in, but there were another five that I discovered, and over the past week that we've been planning this, I mean, I've I've probably listened to the album ten times all the way through, and then you mm, know that's a good singles week. along the way. I it's consumed my life for this past week, and I've really enjoyed it because there are songs that I enjoyed that I've now grown with, and there are songs that I did not know that I'm going to take with me into the future. Hell yeah! I that's think so I'm, exciting. <laughs> i think i'm on the same page as pitchfork i like an 8.7 there's no shame in an 8.7 out of 10 oh no
2: i think that's like a like i think they were like it's a good album it's excellent and then if it's like for you then it's a exactly and like like you said a poet crying herself to sleep this album is for me
0: that's sierra cruz if i know her (laughs) so sierra i ask you uh to think of whether or not this album falls onto the basic scale at all. And the basic scale can be whatever you want, but the purpose of this podcast is of course not to shame people that have never heard of these bands, but rather to enlighten people and hope that they can take this music with them into their life as they go along. But I fear with this album and specifically with the song first day of my life, which you were talking about how bright eyes fans kind of rebel against this, mm-hmm. that we there's do. perhaps a e-girl slash tumblr quality to this album that might stigmatize it do you find that to be true
2: i do my personal opinion with things that are basic are we call them basic if teenage girls like them and i think there's nothing wrong with a teenage girl liking something that i like um so i personally i would say this album's pretty basic i would say it is and but like what is basic it's accessible i think this album's very accessible i think it's about what everyone's ever felt like it's not niche you're not listening to it and you're like oh my god this is only me like it's it's everyone so it is pretty basic and then i would just be like hey you know they wrote other stuff
0: and then and then i would pull out some other albums you can blow their minds with the other material I i would pull out ladder song
2: which is a very good one and like that one's a little bit more
0: niche gotcha and then finally sierra i have to ask everybody Who needs to hear this album right now
2: yeah i would say i would say teen girls i would say
0: i don't know maybe give it to the
2: democratic party like let them chill out a little bit like let them listen to this and be like oh man maybe we shouldn't cooperate and go to war like i give it to them i put it in pelosi's office (laughs)
0: Now, fellas, if you're worried about this being an album for teen girls, it's not. I can assure you it's okay to listen to this as well. No, it's
2: not. Remember, I liked it because I liked it because a cute boy was like, oh my God, you should listen to Bright Eyes. So if you like it, then girls are going to be like, you should, oh my God, I I should listen to Bright Eyes. That's
0: true. Very true. Sierra.
2: But only if you're cute. I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) Only if you're cute. Only if you're cute. Sierra, what do you have to plug?
2: What do I have to plug? Nothing. Um, I'm Sierra Cruz. Please hire me to do writing. Where can people contact you if they people want to do People can contact me through my Instagram. It is SierraMist22. Good
0: Instagram name.
2: It's a good, yeah, it's a good Instagram name. But then people think my last name is actually Mist. And Sierra
0: Cruz sounds like an actress name. I mentioned your uh, name at work once and they're like, is that somebody famous? And I was like, oh, it will be one day. Yes. When I was eight years
2: old, I walked into my first audition and I said, my name is Sierra Cruz and I will be singing Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. And they said, that's such a good name.
0: That was all they said. They were not a fan of the song, per se. No, I got, I got hired.
2: Name. I got hired. I was great. I was a baby angel in the best Christmas pageant ever. Um, that's the title of the play. It wasn't my personal opinion. I wore a glitter halo. Wait, no. Did they let me be? Oh, yeah. Okay, so here's the story of that. Is I don't think this is relevant to the podcast. Now you can go ahead and tell it. I was hired to be a part of the angel choir. But then I got there, and... I'm very mature-looking, um, even at eight years old. Um, so, um, no, no, that's not good. Okay, okay, I'll backtrack. Um, but I, they were like, oh, she's a baby angel. I got, or she's a, in the angel choir. I got there, and I was too small to be in the angel choir, and so they bumped me down to being a baby angel, even though I'd been originally cast as a part of the choir, which only meant that I got a better costume. It also meant that the two girls that were bumped down to be in the angel choir, or the yeah the baby angels, um, me and my pal Grace, who then became my best friend. We just spent New Years together. We were eight years old.
0: Well, Sierra, you are my baby angel, <laughs> <laughs> and you can follow this podcast. You can follow this podcast at Article Albums on both Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me on those same platforms at underscore case low c a s e l w e. Until next time, I thank you for listening. This has been Bright Eyes. I'm wide awake this morning on our school albums.